following presentation by Taylor Fragon Capital Management LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of Taylor Fragon's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.taylorfragon.com. It's time for this installment of Ronald's podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. Jerry, how you doing? Well, doing well. Well, about you're going to take a sip of your coffee, you're going to set it down, and there's the audio. There's the clip you can hear. You couldn't hear that. I bet we hear it on the you can hear that here, you know what we'll do is we'll put it on this. That's a thought. There we go. The trying can't to hear that. Please. I don't think we can. I had a topic. I can't remember it. Riveting podcasts. Jerry had a topic. <laughs> we can't I can't this remember. Is, it must have been good. Let's do the yeah the, the Jerry forgot wheel of fortune. We've got ETFs. Short selling. We hate them. Evil. We talked about them. Yes. Short selling should be illegal. We talked about it. You're like Groucho Marx. Whatever it is, you're against. I it. hate it. Yep. Or against it. Let's talk about Hollywood. Speaking of things you're against. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was going to say. It makes you wonder if there's... We don't really want to go there. Because we could go down a long list of things that I don't like. We did the Backdoor Pilots episode a few weeks ago. So we've already talked. We've already done our little nod to pop culture. When do you think... We've got Father's Day coming up. When did you know you were a dad? Don't say the obvious when you had a kid. <laughs> when did you feel like I thought that was when it was? When did you identify as a dad? I don't know. I never. I never. I can't say I ever really thought about that. Oh, you're from the generation that didn't think, just did, just did. Just basically, like just get her done. Clint Eastwood and Grant Torino, just bang we it just, out. We just time to step up. All right, we'd probably be a lot better off with that attitude. True. What's the joke I always say? The problem with today's kids, no responsibility. <laughs> like I was telling my kid's stepdad. Yeah, that is a good one. You made me Nick. laugh with yesterday, I think you said that. Yeah, my friend Nick's joke. That is so, good. My kids don't have a stepdad. Sadly, they just have me. All right. I had a, I truly had a topic all planned, all investment related. I, it just escapes me. And so on one company call after another, after another, it's fun. Well, the company calls are going well. Oh, I was going to say awful, but no, well, that's the one thing I like. I like, I like our companies. They're like children. <laughs> Speaking of when did you realize you were a dad? Eh, when I started managing money. Well, on that note, is anyone still managing money? We've no, that's a good to, one. We've got some evidence to the contrary. Yes. And we won't name any names or even talk about how specifics. we know this, but just it's come across our table that basically just advisors are just buying ETFs or mutual mm-hmm. funds. That's it. Mm-hmm. So. It's lost art. What happens when nobody figures out, nobody tries to figure out what a company is worth. I'll tell you what happens. Today's market. <laughs> Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it is it is normal for us to have one or two stocks that are just going bonkers in a given day out of the out of the fifty or so gross stocks we have. Well, uh, let's let's define bonkers. There was a time where bonkers was it's up five percent. Now it's like 
you got to get up or down 30% to make it really, you know, get a t- gain attention of any kind. And it's, the volatility is crazy. And, we, you know, it's interesting because we were having a conversation with a company yesterday and they were talking, they were one of those that we have talked about micro cap names came out as a SPAC. I don't know, two, three years ago, came out at $10 a share. It's trading at two um, for no fault of its own, other than it had SPAC related to it. Right. I'm not going to, don't even need to name the company. Well, what's back up. What's a, what's a SPAC for those of you? Those Special of you. Purpose Acquisition Corp. Also known as a blank check company, I believe. It's been known for as that. And the it's last- just simply a corporate structure that allowed companies to go public that were smaller and didn't have to go through quite the same level of scrutiny that uh, that a typical or traditional IPO went through. As far as the cost, you know, there, it depends. I mean, sometimes the spec is actually even more expensive to get public. Sometimes it's not. The, the dig on it is that there there tends to be if if the existing spec acquisition corp, which which put together for the sole purpose of going out and doing an acquisition. If they don't stay with the company, that can be an obvious source of downward pressure on the company, which is what a lot of these happen to a lot of these SPACs. I don't think it's because I, I think it's an unfair assessment to say that it was purely because they were SPAC. The market environment of 2021, 2022 was so horrible that, you know, these comp- these investors in the, in the acquisition corp, which is oh, so the acquirer, okay, the special purpose acquisition corp, uh, yeah, understandably may have had every intention of wanting to hang in the company, but when everybody panicked, they panicked too, and the selling was just an onslaught, and 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 so you know you have a number of these companies. Uh, I mean, probably hundreds of these companies that have come out in the last few years, uh, maybe even a thousand. Um, that really got hit hard when the, the downturn happened. And so it kind of got lumped into an asset class. Oh, it's a SPAC. Well, it's not a SPAC. It's That's a company. Fascinating. It's a company that used a SPAC to become public, but now it's a company. And, and many of them, that all that SPACing <laughs> is over with, right? It, it's de-SPAC'd, as they say. So in any event, uh, we're having this conversation and we were talking about uh, micro cap company, talking about one of the problems is it's so illiquid. And and the CEO had a great comment he's, as far as, and it's, it's common sense, but, you know, it needs to be re- reiterated and, and What's discussed. That? What's what? Common sense. It doesn't exist in most cases today. But he, he was saying that, look, at, at, and, and what actually had happened with this company, and the reason we called them was there was a big pop, like up 30%, a, a, a bonkers day. Um and then, you know, it went from two to three, let's say. And it would have been 50%, wouldn't it? It wasn't quite that much. So it was like two and change to three. Don't start doing algorithms, Terry. That's any, not what we do. We don't do math. Yeah. In any event, the, you know, we're asking, was there, we, did we miss news? No, there's no news. It looked like, you know, there was just some reasonably sizable buyer that came in to buy some shares, which in, in this case, it could be somebody trying to buy a few hundred thousand shares, drive it, you know, up 30%. Because there's not a lot available. Why? Because there's not a lot available at those prices. He talked about, you know, I know there will be there's there's liquidity at you know at five dollars and seven dollars and ten dollars. There will be liquidity. So it 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 really 
drives home the point that Dick Taylor used to make to me, which is don't let 1% of shareholders tell you what your company is worth. And that was just simply the average volume each day was about 1%. And so he's saying, well, those, that's prices every day. How do, it sometimes this needs to be reiterated. How do we get these prices? Well, there's shares that trade. How many shares? Doesn't matter. It could trade one share. And that's the price that's quoted. Is that what the company is actually worth? I mean, literally, even from a market standpoint, technically speaking, yes, there was a transaction for some number of shares at that price. And if that was the only transaction that happened, then that's the market price. But it, it can be quite misleading. And especially when you're in a situation of trying to buy a company that is relatively small, that has a small number of shares out in the what we call the public float, which is available for public investors to buy or sell, buy, and then ultimately sell. And... And so it, 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 it really hammers home that point Dick was making that you can't just look at what's happening at that moment in the stock price and say, well, that's what it's worth. Because it's not. Not really a lot of times. And in particularly in times like this and why we think there's a great opportunity. Now, you're probably not going to be able to buy these. You won't be able to buy a lot of these at the price that they're being quoted because there's no shares available. If you were to try and accumulate a meaningful number of shares, it would, ha- it would drive the price up. Um, but that's eventually going to happen. And then add it to it. In this particular case, this company is doing very well. This is not some science project. This is, it's not even, I don't even want to say it's venture capital in public clothing because they're generating revenue. They're growing their revenue. It's all, you know, they're not quite profitable yet, but they could be very quickly. A lot of those out there. Some are actually already profitable and still have been hit because they're a SPAC. Um, so it, what, is the val- what is the price of something is different than what is the value. And, that, and that's, that seems obvious, and it is, but it's actually, you can see some you know, real examples of that happening in the market today. I would even go back, I mean, I think this has been going on for a long time now, not, and, and not just during the recent downturn in the market. I remember, and we may have told this story on this podcast before, I don't know, but we, we had a situation, XYZ company, it was like March of 2020 when the market was getting smacked down, February actually, I think, from the COVID uh, response. And I remember there was a stock and it was down like 30%. We were trying to buy it. And we usually would start early in the day with a smaller cap type company. So that we'd have all day to be able to try and accumulate it. And the day's going on, the day's going on. And you know, we got an order. It was a reasonably sizable order. And talked to the trader and the trader's like, there's, just, there's nothing available. I went, what do you mean? It's down 30%. There's got to be people selling it like crazy. Well, there's nobody <laughs> selling it at the price that it's trading at now in the volume that you want. It's very common, common sense point is, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love you to be able to buy it at that price, but guess what? There's no shares available at that price. There's two shares available at that price. I'm, 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 I'm you know, being facetious, but directionally, that's not far off. By the time we got done with that purchase in the day, the stock was almost back to where it started. Um, so I, I think this somewhat underscores what I've talked about, that it's a broken public market. Not that small cap stocks have never have ever been e- easy necessarily, but they're always by definition they're smaller. There's going to be fewer. There's going to be less liquidity. I I've 
pretty sure I haven't talked about this on this blog, but I trace it back to a, a little known settlement of, at NASDAQ back in the late 90s. And, and there, were, there were add-ons to this settlement, by the way, or add-ons to the rule, which changed the rules as to how small cap companies, well, just any company could be traded by market makers. Now, it used to be that the brokerage firms would make markets in these over-the-counter used to be called over-the-counter. Why? Because it wasn't listed on exchange. It literally was over-the-counter. Over-the-counter turned into NASDAQ, National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotation System. And But there were still market makers out there that would be you know providing a bid and an ask, and the spread between that bid and ask was what they would, if they bought it at the bid and sold it at the ask, the spread is what they get to keep. And those spreads could get wide. You know, you could see a, a, a you know, sort of thinly traded company trading at $20 a share and the, that's the bid and the ask, which so the bid is if you're, you know, if you're a seller, you're going to get the bid. If you're a buyer, generally you get, you know, what it's going to have is you're going to get the, and you put it at the market, you're going to get the bid. And if you throw it into the market on the other, on the buy side, you're going to get the ask, which is higher. And that spread might be. You're 50. always going to pay more and get less. That's what I was. Well, you, 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 you're, yeah. you're, and you're going to, in those days you would see spreads that could yep. be pretty wide. Okay. The combination of a settlement, which basically made it uh, less, it made it more transparent, for sure. In other words, these these broker dealers were having to uh, expose the book, if you will, of what was it, what was what was out there available, and all in the interest of trying to help the little guy investor to have. You know more of a of a an, an uh, the same the same advantage no no advantage of the large institutional traders versus the smaller retail trader and while all the intentions were good i i think i don't know if i should actually <laughs> acquiesce to that statement but let's just say that the, the intentions were it's plausible were good. it's plausible that it was a good intended there were good intentions what it served to do is take profitability out of making markets and issues today where today there's hardly any market making going on and so I, I remember watching uh, at the time, the, you know, Merrill Lynch at the time, and I think Merrill made a market in something like 4,500 or 5,000 issues. And almost overnight, that dropped to 1,500 issues, which meant they just, the, the, the other 3,500 to 4,000 names, they just were not even going to make market anymore. Because those, the spread, the difference between the bid and the ask, which is how they, uh, they got paid, was narrowed down so much that combined with decimalization. Um, again, I don't think at the time there was any of us that would have argued that this was not good. Instead of instead of quoting in eighths and quarters and halves and sometimes what they called teenies, which were sixteenths, um, which was rare. Or uh, it was now quoting in decimals, and so that narrowed spreads even more. Because now they could get narrower. Yeah, and they could narrower and narrower and narrower, and it just made it less and less and less profitable. So they stopped making markets, and this is what we have today, is these small cap stocks don't have much of a market-making mechanism there. It's, um, try again, driven significantly by those trying to create liquidity where liquidity doesn't exist, i.e. ETFs. And hence, we are left with what is not necessarily the most I don't think it actually isn't the most transparent market anymore um, because what, what was perceived transparency now is, you know, you're not really seeing what that company is worth. Don't tell me that the company that's traded a thousand shares today 
and has a value even based on that crazy market pricing of a hundred million dollars. And I, I mean, literally, there are some out there that tra- trade a thousand shares. Don't tell me that that's actually the real value of the company. That's not what sellers, any kind of meaningful seller, is willing to sell that co- that that company for. So there you go. I don't um, even know if that was that probably wasn't the topic that we wanted to get to, but it's close enough. And I think I'll leave it at that. There was there is opportunity in that though. So do you think it's more likely that you think on balance it all washes out, or do you think it's more likely it's skewing the value of companies? The longer your down? horizon is, it washes out. But but it's increasing volatility in the meantime. It's increasing volatility in the meantime. So those folks that are concerned about volatility get used to it. And know that it's fleeting. It'll be here today and gone tomorrow. In other words, what look is volatile today, it's going to re-ratchet and be an t- entirely different different pricing tomorrow. So, I mean, the, 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 the speed with which this works now is just so incredible. You, you really have to just commit to the long term. I, I mean, I have said so many times, I, I really think investors have to take a, an approach, and as long as it's a good, reasonable, disciplined approach to fundamental investing, that is just for a lifetime. You're always going to own some. Now, you, you, you make changes at the edges, at the margins. Um, that's fine. Maybe in this kind of environment, you keep a, a little bit larger cash and just accept whatever returns the cash is going to give you. Today, they look good, but they won't stay that way. I mean, look good. I mean, what, 4.5% on a money market fund? Great. When we've had 0% for 10 years, 12 years, that looks phenomenal. That won't last. The Fed's going to make the mistake on the upside. They'll make the mistake again on the downside. It's just what they do. And you'll be back in, who knows, for a prolonged period uh, of low to no interest rate. It does seem that one of the good things, although this could be a good thing in the same way that a check from the government is a good thing, meaning that it leads to bad things, is that bull markets, or excuse me, bull bear markets are getting shorter. And that that could have I'm not sure I would agree with that. I mean, we've watched a bear market in tech stocks since February of twenty one now. It's over two years. So I don't know that that's I don't I wouldn't say they're necessarily shorter. The it may seem that way because this last round when we had 08, 09 and everybody said we're you know how how often over from two two thousand eight, two thousand nine period to today did we hear that we're going into recession, we're going into recession, we're going into recession. I mean, we had a self-inflicted re- recession here with the twenty, the COVID response, that whole fiasco. Uh, we may be going into a recession now, but I mean, technically speaking, sure, sure. Are there parts of the economy that they were in recession? That's that's almost always the case. But in the aggregate, it, you know, we we really truly haven't gotten to a point where we're at least by the standard National Bureau of Economic Research who makes these calls on recession, we haven't hit those part those those criteria yet may we sure um but i think that the the point i'm making with this is that the the market climbs a wall of worry and it did for 12 years and yes a lot of it was liquidity driven because the fed had rates at zero for far too far too long um but you know i i think that and, and when I said bear market, excuse me, bear market in tech stocks, well, there you go. That was like a roll. There's been a recession in technology to some, at least in the, and let me, let me, let me 
back up. There's been a bear market. Looking at the NASDAQ as we speak. There's been a check you. There's been a bear market in in technology in general in the last two and a half years, two years and some months, two and a quarter years. Um, the real as far as recession though, meaning has there been a drop in the sales of technology companies in the aggregate? No. In fact, some some of these companies have just continued to do extremely well from a business standpoint. Their stocks got extended and got overvalued. And when the rate hikings began, it really hit those overvalued or highly valued, let's call it stocks quite um, inordinately. But I don't know if it's right to say that bear markets are short. They could be. And I don't even know if you call them bear markets. The crazy volatility of, you know, this month, everything's down 15% can change very quickly. But if that's your point, then I agree. The NASDAQ high, though, was around November of 2021. So what are you defining as a bear market then? If I'm talking about in technology. Well, I mean, NASDAQ's a reasonable proxy, don't you think? Mm, Not necessarily today. There's a lot of non-tech names. It's definitely heavy tech. But if you look at most of the high-flying, let's take the software sector. Um, most of the high-flying software stocks, which, by the way, are some of the best-growing companies out there still, they peaked in, no, in February of 21, for the most part, and haven't made it anywhere close to those old highs. Kind of reminiscent of the, the March of 2000 peak in a lot of technology names, particularly at that time, like the, the telecom sector <clears throat> peaked at that point. And... You know, in some cases, and we've talked about the Cisco Systems experience, the Qualcomm experience. Um, Qualcomm has made it back back to old highs from back in 2000. Cisco has not. Talk about a bear market. Long time. If you were to have bought, you know, pre-peak or at the peak in 2000, you still haven't made made it back to the to the height. Well, I would still say that if you look at again using Nasdaq as a proxy, the bear market would end at the bottom. We can only tell in retrospect because it ends at the bottom, right? And that was probably last fall sometime. Yeah, we're last fall. So we could be looking so it would have been at about a year. Yeah, so we're looking at, but, and that's also in the context of essentially a 12 year, an 11 year run up. So the, I don't know, whatever, you're the boss. No, I'm just, I'm, what I'm saying is, it doesn't, you made a point, bear markets are shorter. And I don't know that that's a fair statement yet. Okay. Uh, what I what I would say is there's just more volatility. So what you think might be, if you want to define a bear market as 20%, heck, you could have a 20% drop and it can bounce right back. And technically that's a bear market. It's not really. And yes, that can be very short-lived if that's how we want to define a bear market. I guess maybe I'm conflating bear market with correction. You'd say 20% is a correction. I think um, over 20%, they now yeah. call a bear market. So if it's less than 20%, they call it a correction. Okay. I mean, this is semantics. It's nonsense. The point is, it's wild and it can change quickly. And if you're if you're trying to time it, you'll drive yourself nuts and get broke. Exactly. So that's- and, and go broke. Emphasize on go broke. Yes. Exactly. Well, maybe even emphasize on drive yourself nuts. But who cares if you're crazy or not? If you're broke, it doesn't. If I'm broke, I want to be nuts. I don't want to realize it. <laughs> and I guess it's okay to be crazy and rich. Well, then you're eccentric. Okay. Well, there you go. Yep. All right. So. In the meantime, let's just end it there. It's a good place. You've got a call to get on. I've got work to do, allegedly. So remember, go to allegedly, you know, allegedly. TaylorForgon.com. Look, look us up on Instagram, TaylorForgon.invest, and also rate us on iTunes. Until next week on the Long Only Podcast, I'm Doug. And I'm Jerry. Thank you for listening.